Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Well, good evening there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Fightful Wednesday Night Wars podcast right here on Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com, YouTube.com slash Fightful, wherever you decide to pick this video podcast up or on your favorite podcast app as well, because, you know, they're all there. Hey, I'm Mr. Warren Hayes. I'll be sitting in for Sean Ross Sapp for a while, a few but uh, don't worry, we're going to be bringing you all, all all the enjoyment and fun that you enjoy out of the uh, Fightful Wednesday Night Wars podcast. It'll be my pleasure to anchor all of this, and uh, it'll be my pleasure as well to, to shift the AEW duties to our new friend, our, the new guy who's popping in tonight here on, uh, on Wednesday. Welcome, we'd like to welcome Louis Dangour, who uh, some of you already probably know maybe from Wrestle Talk, or if you just watched... The uh, back uh, the backlash post show uh, last Sunday, he was there with Sean talking about there were there were a few there were a few uh, talking points during that show, but uh, just just a, a couple. But Louis is here with us tonight. Louis, it's a pleasure to see you. Pleasure to have you. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I just wanted to obviously thank yourself and uh, Alex for sharing this time with me at three thirty, nearly my time, so we can chat some wrestling and hopefully not talk too loud that I wake one of my parents or my brothers up. Hey, you know what? I think it won't be a success if everyone stays sleeping throughout this podcast. You have thoroughly given me a challenge. Thank you for being here, Louis. Louis is going to be hanging out for the next couple of weeks. It'll be a good time. But, you know, out with the new and in with the old. I don't know what I'm talking about. Alex Belowski, you guys know this guy here. Alex uh, does sour graps over on Fightful Select. Fightful Select, by the way. Probably the best way that you can support everything that we do here at Fightful. You head on over there. You get a bunch of extra content over on Select. You get Sean, who does a Q&A session. Uh, he does a lot of those and also answers a lot of questions. You have Steven Jensen, who covers all uh, non-WWE stuff. Uh, you've got exclusives. You've got sneak peeks to upcoming uh, articles and content. And you get... Sour Graps, with which is Alex weekly reviews of both Raw and SmackDown, and they're good times. 
And Alex is here on Wednesdays, but he's he's a smiling guy on Wednesdays because we like Wednesdays, don't we, Alex? <laughs> yeah, Wednesdays uh, Wednesdays are, are are the good the good day of wrestling. <laughs> Usually, there's there's some signs that my beloved NXT is becoming Wednesday Night Raw, and I'm I'm <laughs> not not very happy about it. But uh, I just I I wanted to uh, extend uh, a welcome to. Uh, to this very young man, so so young, I don't recall ever being so young. Uh, but Louis, uh, welcome, and I'll I'll try not to die on air every every week. I try not to die on air, but it's it's, it's difficult. The, I'm so old. it's the challenge week after week, and uh, we're on uh, we're on a we're on a hell of a streak. Two hundred and sixty days without a death. Good job, Alex. Hang in there. It's true. I try every week. You can also donate a, a super chat, folks, if you want to uh, show a little support as you're watching live here uh, tonight. Uh, any amount will uh, will let Warren Hayes read your question, comment live on air, such as pass it to DJ, who left a super chat saying, just wanted to send in a super chat to support the Dong Lord t-shirt. Oh, yeah, those are coming up. Stay safe, fightful, faithful. Thank you very much, pass it. And uh, just so you know, you, you can leave uh, Super Chats. And if your Super Chat is a little more topical, that has, that has a link to a specific segment or match, I might save it for that uh, particular moment. So don't worry. We'll get through them all. Just like we're going to start getting through this, this review here tonight. And we're going, to start, we're going to start with NXT. I know usually the thing is, hey, which one did we find better? But uh, we're going to start with you tonight, Alex. We're going to let the new guy breathe a little bit. Before uh, before getting in here, uh, NXT started with a match between Imperium and Emporium. Alex, I want I want uh, Brizongo basically coming out uh, dressed up as uh, dressed up as uh, Eichner and Bartel uh, with it to a remix of the Fourth Allegro con Fuco. I definitely want to hear what you have to say about this, Alex. Um. Okay. So we didn't talk nearly enough about the uh, the Brizongo vignette uh, and reintroduction of them uh, from last week. Uh, but the, the the part where they just seemingly off the cuff called Imperium Emporium and then couldn't remember the names of Fabian and Marcel, so they called them Fabio and Marsupial. It just seems so wonderfully like those two guys just, you know, riffing off each other. And instead, apparently, it was all a setup to give one of the most beautiful moments of comedy on NXT in a very long time. This was absolutely my jam. This is everything about it. I, I, I asked the question, hey, they're starting with the, the tag title match on AEW and a tag title match on NXT opposite each other choose your fighters and that was before these guys came out and then the, the choice became null and void the choice can only be the match with Brizongo in it because of what this entrance was it was so good they had tracksuits made up for themselves mm -hmm. with Fabio and Marsupial stitched on them how do you not love these guys Brizongo for the Hall of Fame this year Louis, I don't know if you got the if you got a chance to see the uh, the opening if you got to see the the little spoof coming out um, you know, Imperium's been a, 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 around a while in NXT, NXT UK. Uh, this, you know, kayfabe-wise, this is a good way to get into their heads. 
I loved it. I, I thought it was awesome. It was, I was watching both. So I've gone a bit cross-eyed, but um, <laughs> I was watching it and I was struggling to keep my eyes on AEW a bit. I was a bit like, oh, I want to watch this entrance. But it was, it was, I mean, as Alex said, it was brilliant. And it made me definitely a little bit jealous of him for getting to see these two. But no, I, th- I thought the entrance was fantastic. Uh, early on, Imperium takes control takes control of the match because they're mad. That's it. You, you don't take other people's gimmicks. There's two things in wrestling. You don't take their jackets, and you don't take the gimmicks. That's automatic. You're going to piss someone off. Uh, uh, Breeze counters back with the back suplex and sends Marcel over the top rope and down onto the floor before tagging Fandango in, who hits a diving knee and a suplex into a power slam. That was a good spot. Ickner hit a great brain buster on Fandango. Uh, I love uh, the uh, Brizango backstabber uh, springboard elbow combo as well. Breeze ends up on the floor and uh, Indu Cher along with Malcolm Bivens come out and they sort of get menacing. But then Danny and Oni run out, Lurgan and Birch, they run out uh, and start attacking Indu Cher. And all, in all this chaos, Eichner hits a DDT on, on Fandango for the win though. Uh, Alex, there was a lot of uh, setup for the tag division here. Give me, uh, what are your thoughts on this final angle and the match as well? Um, the match was great. I, I think these these four guys work really, really well together. I love the, the, the vignette last week was all about how Brizongo used to be a comedy act inside and out of the ring. And that would have been like, no, we're going to make you laugh on our way to the ring. And then we're going to actually be great wrestlers because they are. Like, Breeze is a fantastic wrestler, mm-hmm. has been his entire career. He's still never held a championship in WWE outside of FCW, which is ridiculous. Really? That's... He's so really? good. He's so good. That's impossible to believe, but he's so good. That's wild. Um, but but uh, Fandango also is really underrated as a worker. They're fantastic together. I think them working with with uh, with Marsupial and Fabio, it's, it's a dream come true. And then the finish. And then the Wednesday Night Raw finish where everybody comes out, lets the cause a distraction. Oh, whoops, I forgot that you're not the legal man. Whoopsie-daisy, I lost. I hate that when they do it on Monday, and I hate it when they do it on Friday. I hate it more when they do it on Wednesday, because that's supposed to be my safe haven from terrible distraction roll-ups. I, I, that's the one night a week where I don't have to watch them. So uh, please, I don't need any more of this. I understand you're trying to like show me, hey, look how deep the tag, uh, the tag team roster is. Sure, excellent. Um, can we do it after the match as opposed to ruining the finish of the match? Please, I beg of you. Next, uh, we had an exclusive. Uh, well, oh, first of all, first, excuse me, just before we move forward, Devonte Taylor left us a super chat. Uh, asking us, what do you think about Malcolm Bivens transitioning into a general manager on main roster? He needs to be on TV consistently and be himself. Uh, Man, we've said it before. We'll say it again. If you had been following uh, Bivens' Twitter before uh, he went to NXT, he is one of the funniest, most natural guys out there. Alex, I don't understand why uh, he's not... Not already on main roster. To me, he just fits right into this, um, you know, more shtick-based comedy thing that they're trying to do. And they have a natural guy to do it. I don't know why he's not already up there killing it and uh, as a GM. It'd be a great idea. 
I mean, a GM, fine, manager, whatever. Here's the deal. They picked the wrong act for this guy to manage. Indu Sharon and, and him, like that, that doesn't make any sense, especially because they're like stoic, angry face guys. Like him coming out there and like he doesn't really even cut promos for them. He's just standing with mm-hmm. them. Like, wh- why, wh- why did these two giant Indian men bring their like take your son to school day thing? Like, what is that? Why? Like they, these two men, they they adopted this young black boy and they they bring him with him everywhere. I think that's very nice. It doesn't make any sense when you see the three of them together. It doesn't. Like I love Malcolm Bivens. I think he's fantastic. But if you're gonna stick him as a manager for these two guys because they don't know how to talk yet, then you need to have him talk. Otherwise, he's just a dude out there in a sweater. God, I don't know what it, that it is. It kind of reminds me of when they paired Drake Maverick with the AOP and like, well, I don't understand what it, this is it, all about. Didn't, that didn't work I really either. don't know. Uh, Shaw Wrong Sap leaves us a super chat and wants to know what, well, if we know what's up with Shaw Samuels, I'm going to tell you, I don't know. I'm not sure. He's been, uh, he's been off the radar for a while uh, since the world of wrestling stuff didn't pick off unless, I don't know, Louis, have you heard anything about Shaw Samuels? So, so we do a Wednesday quiz show over on <laughs> Russell Talk, uh, and Shaw, unfortunately, we, we try to get hold. He was booked for the show. We try to get hold of him, and on the day of the show, we couldn't. Ah. So um, we we're hoping he's okay. Um, we haven't heard from him, um, but yeah, we're hoping he's okay. He's very entertaining. Definitely worth a good follow on Twitter for his mug of the week. Um, Absolutely. Stuff. But yeah, we hope he's okay. And I think that whoever that was, whoever that naughty person was that left that super chat, they're taking the mick because I was bumped from the show. Uh, they they made an act to bring me on and then booted me off. They're trying to Daniel Bryan me and get me over. Oh, hey, you know, so. that's how you get over the organic build. It's the best way. Piss off the brass until they uh, It is. go. Uh, next, we get an exclusive interview with Velveteen Dream, who says he has no recollection of losing uh, any matches to Adam Cole. But in the meantime, Dexter Loomis creeps up behind him and leaves a picture, an illustration of he and Dream holding the NXT Tag Team titles. Dream says that he's a solo act. And he, you know, what he did last week, uh, what he did what he did helping out Loomis was just a favor returned uh alex i think uh th- there's something brewing here they're clearly going to lean yeah. into this yeah no they are um i i think i i didn't realize that dexter loomis's motivations were so pure <laughs> he just wants a friend like he it was like he, he knows that 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 velveteen dream who is the object of his affection is involved in a uh, a feud with the Undisputed mm-hmm. Era, which is why he's focused all of his ire against the Undisputed Era. That makes perfect sense. But I didn't realize that. I thought I thought he hated Roderick Strong first, and then and then helping with Team Dream second. It appears to be the inverse of that, which makes it even more sad that he took all the time to draw this amazing drawing of him and Velveteen Dream holding the tag straps. And then he's shy. He's so shy. He has to come up and like, like leave it like on the couch next to Dream. Like you're passing a note to your crush in second grade, you know, like maybe leave it on her desk when she's not there. When she gets back, she'll see it. And she'll like, you won't actually want it. You won't have the guts to give it to her in person. So (laughs) 
<laughs> then Dream sees it. He doesn't even look at Dexter. He's just like, hey, this? Nah, this isn't it. Basically, that's, that's, do you like me? Check yes or no. And Velveteen does, Dream doesn't just check no. He's like, hell no, never going to happen. <laughs> Stop following me. Like, that's basically what he did. That's that's just heart. I like the idea of, you know, if, if you want to go all historical on this, I kind of like the irony of Velveteen Dream being like this object of, um, I wouldn't say affection, but um, of desire. Let's put it that way. Uh, where uh, t- towards someone, towards Loomis, who's creeping after him. It's kind of a role reversal when you think that two years ago, Velveteen Dream was doing the same thing to Alistair Black. He didn't necessarily want to be his friend, but he was, you know, sort of creeping after Alistair, say my name, all that stuff. I think, uh, you know, if we wanted to dig a little deeper into this, we'd, we probably could, but we also know they didn't go that far deep into thinking about this angle. But... We'll see where it goes. I mean, it, I, to me, it has uh, it has legs. I'm interested. Uh, Damien Priest defeated Killian Dane. Priest tweaked his back on a back body drop, and it annoyed him throughout the match, uh, which allowed Dane to get a lot of offense in on him. He hit a guillotine j- leg drop on Priest as well. Priest uh, follows up with some big strikes and avalanches Dane in the corner as well. It's a big physical fight that ends with the reckoning. Damien Priest picking up the win. Um, I have two questions for you, Alex. First of all, what did you think of the match? Second of all, is Damien Priest a babyface now? Of course he is. He fought from underneath. He was selling. He was selling a lower back injury for the entire True. match. Oh, oh gosh, how did he? Oh, he hit. He hit two. He reversed a move into a a, a victory roll. Then then hit one move as a as a as a uh, transitional move, and then his finisher. After selling for the entire yeah, match, pretty much. he's a babyface now. That's that's just that's the WWE formula for what a babyface does. Uh, you have to fight from underneath, even if you're a giant, athletic, amazing powerhouse like the like Damian Priest. You have to fight from underneath. How will we know if you're the babyface if you don't fight from underneath? It's stupid. Also, like welcome back, Killian Dane. Like I don't know the last time we saw him. I thought he was trapped over in Ireland with Jordan Devlin, but hey, if he's back now, that's cool. But my question is, if he's been here the whole time, where you been, big man? Right. Like, we could have we used you. Also, um, like, isn't that great that he, basically, the last time I remember seeing him, he was losing matches to Damian Priest, and now he's <laughs> back on TV months later. And instead of losing heel versus heel Haas battles, he's got to be the guy who beats up Damian Priest and works over the lower back for six minutes before losing after two moves. Man, I, I I thought it was so cool they brought him back down to NXT sure. after they gave up immediately on Sanity, which still boggles my mind. Well, but if they're if they're just gonna have him down in, in NXT to like job, like that he's too talented. Remember that first War Games when San- mm-hmm. like that guy was a star coming out of that mm-hmm. match, and they just squandered it. Absolutely. Well, that that's the thing. Uh, uh, that's the thing that's really most striking. I think about. Uh, about his his career path so far in WWE is how how fantastic he was and they were moving him away. Let's not forget uh, he was in the uh, the North American the, the North American Championship ladder match for the inaugural match. He was yeah. in there as well. They were leaning into him pretty heavily as a breakaway star from the Sanity uh, yep. uh, from the Sanity Group, which was fantastic because he's very very talented. And since he's come back, I think we all had high hopes. But 
You know, you kind they if you if he had been there all that time, they really could have leaned into him a bit and sort of helped. It would have helped break break up that trio, the Keith Lee Dijakovic um, Priest trio that we had going for yep. feels like uh, six years. Uh, but hey, you know, if we had any doubt as to whether or not uh, as to whether or not Damian Priest was is a babyface or not, later on in the evening, his tires were slashed. By glorious hat-wearing Cameron Grimes, who is a goofball heel, a heel now for sure. Um, you know, Louis, in past editions of the Wednesday Night Wars podcast right here on Fightful.com, we've discussed uh, what was next with, what was next for Damian Priest losing another big match, you know, just being on a losing streak, losing a big match at TakeOver again. What do you think? Do you think the, the babyface turn is... Uh, is a good idea in theory a babyface turn isn't a bad idea but not the babyface that they're portraying him to be i think like a badass babyface would be good not this version where he's a typical sort of underdog babyface where he's not and i think that the most into damian priest i've been was actually the takeover match he had with Finn Balor where I, th I thought it was one of the one of the matches of the night I thought it was fantastic so I think that they should just let him go up there and have great matches a back and forth with Dane would have been far more interesting than uh, the, what we got but I think in terms of what's next for Priest it's hard I think that perhaps sort of a transitional feud between him and uh, Carrie and Cross could have been sure. nice um If if they're going sort of cross into the main event picture, like a mini feud between Priest and Cross could have been good. And then obviously if Cross goes over, that's quite a big win over someone the size of um, Priest. But I mean, I don't know what they're doing with him, but whatever it is, it's not good. Next, uh, when we came back from commercial, we saw a little vignette of what of what happened during the commercial. We had uh, Killian Dane taunting a obviously drunken Robert Stone. We're going to get to that in a bit. Um, in, a, in a very short bit. Uh, Zaya Lee uh, defeated, uh, or actually uh, fought uh, Aaliyah, who uh, comes out, sees Robert Stone in a completely disheveled state. There was nothing much to this match, Alex, except for the fact, Alex, that Robert Stone got up on the apron and puked in the ring and uh and that caused enough distraction for Aaliyah to get the roll-up win on Aaliyah who got puked on Alex so Aaliyah won a match via puke there's one for the yeah. record books yeah uh yeah uh so before the puke when he was just you know disheveled and literally This is such a wonderful old-timey reference. Drinking a bottle of liquor out of a paper bag. Like, that's that's some 1930s hobo shit. Like, that's crazy. And, like, it, it be, you know what it was? Like, I thought they were doing... The, gim the gimmick was Bobcat Goldthwait as Elliot Loudermilk from the second act of Scrooged. When he gets fired and, and like, his wife divorces him. And he's just... All, he, he's, all he's just disheveled on the street... <laughs> That's who this guy was. And I'm like, nah, I mean, okay, I find that funny whenever I watch Scrooged every year. 
I don't find this funny. Why is that? And then, then he puked in the ring, right? As I was thinking that to myself, and I was like, oh, that's why. Because I don't trust even NXT, which has become, as I've said, Wednesday Night Raw. I do not trust them to handle stuff like this with any kind of, like, tact or knowledge or forethought. Or, like, even, like, I'll, I'll, I'll forgive the whole alcoholic, like, completely down on his luck thing if it's funny. But this wasn't funny. This was, this was painful to watch. Also, like, if Robert, like, what was the plan for Robert Stone, the Robert Stone brand, before you probably, at this point, we, we believe, called up Chelsea Green, had her dump him, and then he starts drinking all the time? What was the plan for him before that? Because whatever that was, this this isn't working. I I don't what puke. You know, there, I mean, there's so much. There's puke. I know, and there's so much stuff they could have done other than that. Than have him become a disheveled drunk. They could have like he could have turned to like selling pens, right? Like having a little box of pens and saying, "Hey, can, can you can you buy can you buy some stuff off of me?" Trying to start up an L or joining an MLM. You know, that kind of stuff. Showing that he's really down on his luck. Could have been a lot of stuff to do. I mean, it, it's on the nose and it's it's classless. And I didn't think it it's, was I didn't think it was funny. I don't even think it's entertaining. I don't like no, seeing people vomit on television. I don't like seeing well, no, watching people vomit, period. Period. Not just on TV. It's, like, you know. it's the lowest of low hanging fruit. Yeah. It's it's fruit that is on the ground. And has been for about a week. It's rotten fruit on the ground. That's how low-hanging it is. Raphael? You know what, though? Fair play to Robert Stone for his commitment to whatever crap they're giving him. I mean, I caught a bit where he fell flat first, uh, face first onto the floor. Whatever crap they're giving him, I think he deserves to be applauded for doing his best and obviously... Going fill in with it, being basically humiliated on TV on a weekly basis. Hey, it's a good thing you pointed out because you know, oftentimes we're not angry at the performers. We're more we're more yeah. irritated at the uh, at the creative side of things. Uh, and I agree, uh, Robert Stone did the 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 best of this. Rafael Garcia left us a super chat asking, "Was that Colt forty five in Robert Stone's brown bag?" I need to know. It seemed pretty big. But you know why they, they did the brown bag thing because uh, because of PG thirteen, right? They, you just couldn't have them well, walk around with yeah. an exposed open bottle of alcohol. This isn't New right. Japan Pro Wrestling, goddammit. Well, they they did pull out like an unbagged bottle of liquor from Jeff Hardy's car after the uh, you know the the vehicular manslaughter that apparently Sheamus is going to get away with scot free. I don't want to go into that now. I'll talk about that when I review SmackDown this week. Uh, Patelron6 left us a super chat saying, Robert Stone is a terrible hangman page imitation. I don't even think they're going for an imitation. It's two complete different worlds here. And hangman page has a lot more nuance here. But I do understand the, the, I I do understand your, 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 your thought and thank you for the super hangman hangman page can handle his liquor though yeah that's another thing like robert stone is not doing well. hangman page may be in a disagreement with his friends but he doesn't go off the deep end because he is he's like i'm just right. gotta focus timothy thatcher uh, twisted some guys around double wrist locking a dude and uh if you bring the knee over that creates so much more pressure and stuff like that 
Alex, I mean, I'd be really down if they were to start back some catch point on NXT. I'd be, I'd be down for that. Sure. I mean, I, I, I love this, this character. This is a great way to like build him up. Like again, you, you, you put him over by having him part of that, uh, the, the bro thing. Mm-hmm. The, the, that was so good. Then beating Riddle on Riddle's way out. Like, and then, like, they don't have anything for him right now. So let's just build up who this guy is. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to. We called up Bianca Belair. We have nothing for her, so let's just hide her on main event. No, I'm like, like, no, you have nothing for Timothy Thatcher, so give him a vignette. Give him 30 seconds a week to show who this guy is. I love this, like, teaching these guys, and I love... Did you notice that when all the recruits came over and stood in front of him, they were all a foot taller than him? Like, he's just berating these dudes who was like, he knows he could take in a fight. And they're like, yes, sir, whatever, sir. I'll do whatever you say, sir. I think that's a really cool little addition to it. This, this, there's been a character I've always wanted in wrestling is a guy who's maybe not a coach, but a, a motivational speaker or something. And when he's got a guy in a, in a submission, he just keeps telling him, don't give up. <laughs> Come on, man. Don't give up. I, I believe in you. Don't give up. And when the guy taps out, he's like, I'm so disappointed yeah. in you. And beats the hell out of him after the match. I think that would be a really cool way to like give Timothy Thatcher that extra edge is if he's teaching guys, this is how you escape from this. I've taught you how to escape from it. Now escape from it. And you can't do it. I'm very disappointed in you. Now you got to pay the punishment. I think that's a, there's a good thing there for Timothy Thatcher to do. DGMC left us a super chat, says Stone, Stone should have been getting drawn off White Claw. That's a little too much on the nose even for WWE. <laughs> Thank you very much for the super chat, DGMC. Next, we got Roderick Strong going to undisputed therapy. Adam Cole and Bobby Fish are looking to bring back the old Roddy Strong, so they're bringing him to therapy. I love the fact that they go to therapy in their own merchandise. What a bunch of marks! And they go to the office of Doctor Lyle Thurstenberg, who looks suspiciously like Kyle O'Reilly with a big. Thick red beard. My God. And it is Kyle O'Reilly. He is pretending he's a doctor. It's all a setup. They do a Rorschach test where Roderick Strong sees a guy with big muscles. Big muscle rod, as Adam Cole says. Then he sees Loomis in the trunk of the car. They realize that the the crux of Strong's problem is the trunk. So they try to get him into the trunk of a car. But Roderick just pulls a Forrest Gump. And gets the hell out of there. <laughs> I, you know what? I, d- I don't remember what was airing at the same time of uh, AEW, but this had my full attention. Uh, uh, give me your thoughts, Alex. I I absolutely loved the Kyle O'Reilly part of this because I was not I was expecting them to, to be bringing him to an actual therapist or whatever. Um, but the Kyle O'Reilly thing was great, and the Thurstenberg is 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 great like thurstenberg is absolutely something that i feel like if they if they said hey kyle o'reilly what's what's your what's your character's name uh lyle thurstenberg like it's just it's just it's just perfect um uh it's like when a homer like that has to come up with a fake name he's like joey jojo shabadoo that's that's who that's who kyle o'reilly is it's perfect i i love these little Parts where they actually get to use him because he's he's diabetic. He's not going to be at the at the performance center. Certainly not now. But like, I love that they find little ways of using him whenever they can. This was all I thought really funny and like 
these guys are really good together. I, I don't know where all this is going. It's interesting to me that, like, when they had, like, the moment where all of the tag division is out here fighting each other, the UE wasn't involved in that. Like, they're out, they're out doing their own thing. They're, they're, they don't have to be part of that because they're bigger than that. They're, they are the Undisputed Era. They're bigger than mm-hmm. that. Um, the line drive left, left us a super chat. He says, I just have this image of Roddy doing Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump runs until next week after his freak out. I, I like that they're leaning into it. There should, it, it, it has the potential to be a lot of fun. Did you get a chance to see this, uh, Louis? Do you have any, uh, any thoughts? Well, I saw Kyle O'Reilly back on, I, I saw the clips on some of it on Twitter and I thought it's hilarious. I mean, I am a massive undisputed era fan. So, I mean, seeing the four of them, even though we can't see them in the ring and sort of on uh, at full sale, seeing them just in the same video package mm-hmm. just made me immensely happy. Um, obviously, I understand why Kyle can't be there with his diabetes and everything that's going on at the moment with, with COVID. But, I mean, just seeing the four of them in the same video package just brought a, a massive smile to my face. And, I mean, anything they do, the charisma these guys have got, and the ability to have fun but also be credible, I think, is just fantastic. So I, I was I was a fan of what I caught, and I'm looking forward to catching all of it uh, tomorrow morning. Adam Cole is uh, is at the PC, uh, and he uh, cuts a promo about the hourglass, essentially. And that brings Keith Lee in, uh, saying that it's not going to be Cross who's going to take his NXT championship. It's going to be him, and then Keith Lee wrecks the, the hourglass. Jeez, doesn't he know that uh, Pier One is in bankrupt? Is under bankruptcy now? Cuts a promo uh, back. Uh, Adam Cole cuts a promo in the ring next, putting over the fact that he's been uh, 381 days as champion. Refers to uh, Killer Cross as Killian Cross on a little slip of the tongue, which ma- which made me laugh. And he said he's the first and greatest North American champ, and that brings out Keith Lee, brings out Johnny Gargano, and also brings out Finn Balor. And the end result of all of this is. General Manager William Regal appearing on the screen to make two matches, a triple threat for next week for the North American title between North American title, excuse me, between Keith Lee, Johnny Gargano and Finn Balor, and then a champion versus champion winner take all match on July 8th. That uh some bold moves there Alex, or am I am I mistaken? Yeah. No, no, that's it's bold. Um, the uh, I what the thing the promo parade. I'm never a huge fan of promo mm-hmm. parades, but I I did enjoy Finn Balor calling Adam Cole a transitional champion. But I I did wish that when when Adam Cole was like uh, a transitional champion, the Finn was like, yeah, you're just holding it until I get it. Like that, that that's basically the idea. But I wish they had like actually like nailed it down. Um, Finn's been great since he's been on on NXT. Just a whole different guy. Somebody you could like. I I get excited when he comes on TV. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was not the case during his last run on the main roster. Um, and I'm I'm very excited for this uh, Finn versus Gargano versus uh, Lee. And I I think hey, if if you say well let's program NXT opposite Fighter Fest, a winner take all between any three of those, any one of those three yeah. guys and Adam Cole 
that's a hell of an that's a hell of a across like a, 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 pro, a, a counter programming. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm 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 definitely into that. And I also love that they're doing the triple threat next week, and then you give us what is that two weeks something like that, uh, I guess, or, or a, week. A, a, a full week a full episode to just promote that thing on on July eighth. I yes, let's do, yeah do some of that. What I joke to you guys, but I am taking the eighth off. Because there is no way that I am not watching a winner-take-all match. I mean, the way that NXT do it in terms of overlapping the main event storylines, you've got Cross and Cole, you've got Gargano and Lee, you've got Gargano and uh, Balor's their history, Gargano and Cole their history, Balor and Lee. Just the way it overlaps, I thought this segment was honestly fantastic and as you say if they want to counter program AEW I actually can't think of an AEW match that they could book possibly with the exception of FTR and the Young Bucks that I'd be more excited for than any of those champion versus champion matches that we could potentially get on July 8th. Yeah, you can start negotiating behind the scenes with Alex there we'll see uh, you know maybe call <laughs> Alex might call in the favor down the line and trust me trust me you don't want a Pulaski favor hanging over your head for too long <laughs> we get a Mercedes. Oh no! Before that, um, we, uh, before that, we 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 uh, we see Candice who confronts Candice LeRae confronting Keith Lee. Mia Yim appears to beat her up. Cool, and then Killer Cross and Scarlet see the broken hourglass, and they're like, "Man, we can't return this to Pier One anymore because Pier One is going bankrupt." Um. So, a couple of things. Uh, I I didn't love the Keith Lee thing. With Johnny Gargano, I was like, when I was laying on top of her, she whispered to me that was the most action she's gotten all year. Like, eh, can we not have the baby face just be like a total? Hey, look at what A-hole. look at what Velveteen like, Dream just... was doing with Roderick Strong. I mean, well, well, Vel- Velveteen Dream is a completely different animal. Like <laughs> Keith Lee's the guy who's the guy we're supposed to be out there and rooting for. Velveteen Dream is this otherworldly type character. He can summon purple mist whenever he wants. Like it's a different thing. But anyway, um, the the thing with with Cross and 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 Scarlet, when when Lee smashed the the hourglass, the hourglass, I was like, oh, okay. So to me, my I maybe not too bold prediction after that vignette is Keith Lee loses probably to Finn Balor next week. Finn no. Balor becomes the thing, and then Keith Lee and and Cross have have a feud there mm-hmm. um, because I think Keith Lee is not long for NXT. Mm-hmm. I think somebody is going to, is going to yank him to Monday or or Friday. That guy's he's got all he's got Mondays and Fridays written all over him. He's a giant dude, charismatic, <laughs> can talk, he's super athletic. Like I feel like they would use him there. So to me, I don't want Cross in a title picture. And this, a feud with Keith Lee, when Keith Lee is not no longer the North American champion, allows him to have a match where he doesn't have to worry about him becoming a champion. Because again, once you put once you put uh, a title on an unstoppable monster, the only person who could take it off of him is Bill Goldberg, and we're not going to do that. Or not again? Or are we? Uh, Caden Carter uh, defeated Dakota Kai. Uh, no, excuse me, it's the opposite. Dakota Kai defeated Caden Carter. Pardon me, I was paying attention. Uh, I mean, it was it was a good match. Uh, I find Caden Carter is uh, improving all the time. Every time we see her in the ring, there's always something something new. I really liked her springboard basement dropkick. 
but it ended with a submission by Dakota Kai. Alex, some quick thoughts on the match. I, I really love the finish of uh, Dakota Kai, like transitioning out of the kick out of the pinfall directly into that, into, into that submission. I thought that was really great. I think, yeah, Caden Carter is, is uh, improving rapidly. Um, I would not be surprised to see her uh, in another eight months to a year being up near the top of, of the division because she's a natural baby yeah. face. She's, she's tiny, but she's a spitfire. I like her a lot. We get a Mercedes Martinez coming soon vignette, and I'm like, wait, she's coming back, coming soon. back soon. I miss you, Mercedes. Come back soon. Brunson Reed squashed literally Leon Ruff. Kind of a shame. I was looking. I was looking forward to seeing Leon Rush do some of that chef's kiss selling that he does. Uh, oh. But I mean, you know, it's fine. Oh, you, Clearly, but, setting but, Bronson up for a ma- his match against Killer Cross that was announced afterwards next week. Yeah, uh, Alex. My favorite part of all of this. Yes, Bronson Reed, go ahead, challenge Karrion Cross. I give you two minutes. But um, the the thing that I love the most is him extending a hand to Leon Ruff uh, after he after he beat him and like pulling him up like hey good job buddy and then like hoisting him up onto his shoulder with his broken ribs from that squat from that splash and Leon Ruff selling having to have broken ribs across Bronson Reed's shoulder as Bronson Reed carries him off bouncing him on the ribs on his shoulder that was world class <laughs> I, I love it let's let's get these two guys Together, make them a, 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 a odd couple best friends. A Bronson Reed just smushes Leon Ruff. Oh, sorry, buddy. And then, like, carries him off the whole time. but was breaking his ribs again. Santos Escobar is in the ring with Raul Mendoza and Joachim, and Joachim Wild. Um, man, I, I got to get behind you on this one, Alex. It's such a missed opportunity to not have the, the Lucha Mass Mafia Honestly, uh, it takes it. It would have been just like just that little that little color there that this little trio would have would have loved. Anyway, they they're not referring to him as an interim champion anymore. No, nope. huh? we're no. I think we're done with that. I I think they're doing that too. I, I I don't know when they made the decision to Jordan Devlin. You don't get to have that. It doesn't make any sense to me why they would do that because just you're going to have a Jordan Devlin versus. Escobar match built in story, when right? Jordan Devlin's clear. Like it's, it's, it sells itself. But um, I, I think, I think that there's no reason why Mendoza and wild can't at least keep that luchador masks on. Like, I, I think that that look like the, in the vignette where they're walking down that like gangway mm-hmm. and they're all wearing suits with the luchador masks. It looks so goddamn badass. Why would you like, at least when they're not wrestling, maybe the, the point is, when we wrestle, we take them off. But when we're not wrestling, when we walk to the ring, we're wearing yeah. them. Like I think that would be a really cool thing. But like, a, like, uh, like, like when you 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 wear your gang's patch, right? It's the right. same kind of same kind of idea. Anyway, uh, Escobar is uh, he's cutting a promo. Drake Maverick comes out uh, because he thinks that it's a good idea to take three guys on at once. I guess poor Drake is contracted a bad case of uh, stupid baby face syndrome. Uh, he gets <laughs> beaten up something fierce and eats a phantom driver off a riser through a table. That was a cool spot. Some, a few thoughts on this, Alex. Uh, I, I, I do love Drake Maverick, the guy who lost to King Maxwell 
in one of his last that's, matches. That's <laughs> true. Fact. That's true. <laughs> he got pinned by a baby. Um, but I, I do love him as, as the guy who's got uh, more heart than brains. I mean, I think that's a, that's a cool thing. Considering, like, they, they brought him in as, like, the general manager of the Cruiserweight show. And now he's the guy who's, like, the ultimate underdog. I'm, I'm in. Sure. I mean, the, the, it's fine. Like, if you're going to have somebody who gets beat up like this, have it be Drake Maverick, who sells the hell out of everything. Then we get to our main event. Boston Hug Connection defeated Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox for to retain. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply the WWE Women's Tag Team titles. Ada Zio Smith left us a super chat. Says, Banks and Bailey felt like they had about 10 extra peps in their step because they moved so much more fluid and fast with Tegan and Shotzi. I agree. This was, I the, yeah. the pace of this match was really, really fun. Um, uh, Sasha ran, ran into trouble early on with uh, with Knox, so she tags Bailey in, and then Shotzi comes in to, t- to handle Bailey. There's some great back and forth. Shotzi gets a great hot tag at some point where she takes out Sasha as well. They go to the floor. Sasha hits a Meteora off the apron, which is always great. Uh, Shotzi then herself hits a diving crossbody to the floor on Boston Hug. Uh, there's a nice little moment where Sasha uh, uh, rolls Shotzi into a crucifix. And Shotzi sort, Shotzi sort of rolls out, but Banks uh, transitions into a bank statement. I really like that. But Shotzi gets a cattle mutilation on uh, on Sasha, but Knox has a chair. It distracts the ref, allows Bailey to literally flip Sasha out of the cattle mutilation and into a bank, bank statement, which gets Shotzi to pin, uh, to tap, I should say. I like this match. I thought it was really, uh, it was really well-paced. But I got to say, Alex, and I'll, I want you to give us all your thoughts on the match and so on and so forth. What a shame that there was no full sale audience for Sasha and yeah. Bailey putting their toes back into NXT. That's a crying shame. Yeah, they would have gotten a hero's welcome even as heels. For sure. And I would have loved to see how they figured out a way to like get the full sale crowd to like, okay, well we'll boo you because you're doing a good job being heels. But uh the match was fantastic. It really felt like like Sasha and Bailey went up to Tegan and Shotzi and said, Hey girls, we're gonna give you everything we got tonight keep up and and like it really felt like like initiation by fire and Shotzi and Tegan passed with flying mm-hmm. colors in my mind I thought the, I thought the match was yep. great um to me the story of the match is what happens after the match when Io Shirai sneak attacks I say because this was the one thing they didn't do to make it Wednesday Night Raw they didn't have her music hit first 
before she came in and ran and attacked them. Thank God, because she literally was out of nowhere. That springboard dropkick, the way they filmed it, perfect. Um, her uh, attacking both of them. Uh, yes, give me one-on-one -on -one matches of Io Shirai versus Bailey and Sasha. It I don't want no like Io's got to find a tag partner. No, one-on-one -on -one matches versus Sasha and Bailey. Like just just give them to me. I don't care if they're on Fridays or if they're on or on Wednesdays. I just need to see them. Io Shirai versus all of the top women in, in WWE. All of them. She's so good. We need to see her face all. Absolutely. And I think this is the very definition of the uh, a wild Io Shirai appears meme. This is it right here. She just like completely appeared out of nowhere attacking the champs. And we got a couple of super chats regarding this. Matt J. Hendricks left a couple of them. Saying, do we see a Sky Pirates reunion? I hope uh, the end of NXT leads to Kyrie coming to aid Io. Um, Louis, do you think that might be something in the cards here? Alex has been saying, let's give our, let's go for some singles matches, which would add some credibility to EOS as singles champ. But you know, there's a lot of us who've been missing, who felt like we missed out on uh, on Io Shirai and Kyrie Sane as a tag team. What do you think? Well, I'm not for one moment going to sit here and say I would say no to a Sky Pirates versus Banks and Bailey match. For what I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I wouldn't lap that match up. I think it's how it would work in terms of the story. I don't know. Um, I think that if Kyrie Sane can start doing anything of value besides being injured by Nia Jax, it would be lovely. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, if I, I've always said another run for her in NXT would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know WWE is quite short of women on the main roster, but if Chelsea Green's going up, I mean, Bianca Belair, they're doing nothing with Shayna Baszler, they're doing nothing with. They can probably afford Kari to come back down. And if we then get EO and, uh, and Kari as a team leading to a potential EO and Kari feud, I'd be all for it. Uh, the, uh, sitting on my bed left us a super chat says, why does NXT tease us with that ending segment? Well, isn't that what a good wrestling show should do at the end? Make you want to tune in next week to see who's going to get, who's going to get the beatings. Uh, we're very intrigued with that. So, but yes, I understand it's gets it gets you at your core. Thank you for the super chat. The line drive says the ending of NXT felt weird. The era, the EO character to me doesn't feel like a defender of the brand that fit Rhea much better much better eel seems closer to balor i like these comparisons alex uh yeah me too um and i didn't love that commentary was putting her putting it over as defending the brand i think it was eo saying you two are two of the best women's wrestlers in the world i think i'm the very mm -hmm. best i would like to face you in matches may i thank you like it felt right. like it was like her basically this is a challenge this is this her springboard drop kicks and running knees in the corner is the 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 equivalent of a glove slap. <laughs> like I challenge you to a duel, Bailey, and you too, Sasha. Which one of you is first? Because because after I beat one of you, I'll face the other one. That's what Io Shirai was doing in in that moment to me. So that wraps it up for NXT. William Rab left us a super chat, more related to the main roster. Do you guys look anything? Uh, do you guys uh, do you guys look anything into Ali moving to Raw? As it was announced that Mustafa Ali was moving over to Monday Night Raw. I don't think there's 
there's uh, well, look i mean i have no inside sources i'm not sean ross hayes here uh i don't have i don't have the scoopsies but um i'm gonna personally i'm gonna be honest I don't know where he fits in better. If they can't get him on SmackDown, I don't see how they're going to get him on Raw when they have already Cedric Alexander and Ricochet that, they, that they're that they completely and utterly wasting. Um, Alex, you cover these guys. What do you think? Well, I mean, like, listen, if, if he gets on TV once on Raw, that's one more time than he's been on SmackDown unless you count as the hacker since, like, December, I think. Like it's December 13th. December 13th. It is now June 17th, and they haven't figured out a way to get Mustafa Ali on TV, which is criminal. He's in the prime of his career. You just stole half a year of this man's prime from him when he's, I believe, one of the very best wrestlers in the world. That's criminal. Put him on TV somewhere. I mean, if this was, if it wasn't COVID, he'd be wrestling dark matches every week, and at least he'd be, you know, staying in shape. Come on, let's figure out a way to get him on TV somewhere somehow. We spoke about Kari Sane as someone to send back to NXT. I um, mean, if you give me Ali, but not even back in NXT, he was never he's in never NXT. been there. Yeah. If you give me Ali in NXT, Ali I'd love that. versus Santos Escobar, take my money. There you go, WWE. It's clear as day. Uh, Ada Zeal Smith left left us another super chat. Thank you very much. Says the back suplex from Shotzi to Banks looked rough. That was nice, uh, but it was also nice. And I'm pretty sure Sasha didn't mind. But it, it, it Sa- Sasha's made an entire career of taking crazy back yeah, suplexes. Be fine. Let's move on to AEW, and we're gonna start off with a super chat from Ante 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 V or Ante Fop. I don't know, but thank you very much. Very generous super chat. <laughs> Um, says hard to focus on wrestling with all the stuff going on, but I was pretty thrilled with AEW. They signed Abaddon, which is aces. I hope Sean's super aids clears up soon so we can keep getting golden showers of scoops from Dong Lord Senpai. Thank I would. N- These are words that you do indeed have to pay for them to come out of my mouth. But <laughs> yes, with that, I thought um, just uh, yeah, but I agree. Uh, AEW tonight, I thought they put on a a pretty good show. But as is as is uh, expected from them, Louis. What do you think? Um, honestly, I thought it was good. It was a good show. Um, if this was a Monday night show or a Friday night show, I'd be saying it was very, very good. But I think based on the high standards that AEW has set, it was a good show, but nothing exceptional that I'm going to be screaming the house down for. Remember, guys uh, and gals, you can leave us a super chat. We'll continue reading stuff, especially if it has to do with AEW, but we'll read everything. As I just read, I read something about Super AIDS and Dong Lords, so <laughs> just give me money and I'll say stuff. No, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, Paige, uh, the, the evening started off with um, AEW Champions Paige, uh, Adam, Hangman Adam Page. it'll get out of my mouth, and Kenny Omega versus The Natural Nightmares. The Natural Nightmares got a jobber entrance, Louie. No music, no nothing. We just start the show, they're already in the ring. I, okay. It's, I've said my piece on Twitter and things about the whole ranking system with AEW and how I like it in theory, but they don't seem to really be implementing it. I understand the whole, oh, this team was in second place and the first match has already been set. But for me, 
this match, I, di- I, I didn't go in thinking there was any chance that n- the, the Natural Nightmares were winning, and the Jobber entrance really confirmed that to me. Uh, but I did really like them starting with a tag match, and they've been doing that for the past few weeks, and I think it's it's a fantastic way to start TV, especially when you look at their tag division, which has got... the It's the best tag division in the world. Oh, yeah. By far. And um, I just thought it was a great way to start TV with a tag match. Would I have done Natural Nightmares in a title match? Probably not, but I, it was it was a decent match, solid. I match. liked it. I thought it, I thought indeed it was uh, it was solid. Uh, Omega, um, um, excuse me, but ha- um, Adam Page had a really good exchange with QT Marshall, and of course he had a great hot tag because all of his hot tags are really great. He Samoan drops QT, hits the sliding clothesline. QT comes back with a disaster kick, which was really good. Dustin connects with all the hits and a corkscrew moonsault, and off the t- uh, of course off the top rope and a running senton. Uh, off the apron as well. Uh, but uh, Paige and Omega, man, they have such great offense together. It's crazy that these two that these two are singles competitors, but they've meshed so fantastically as a tag team. Um, QT eats their finisher, the last call. He gets pinned. I thought this was a and like you said, another great way to start the match. Hangman Page, Omega, they're special men. I will say that that corkscrew moonsault from Dustin was fantastic for one reason and one reason only. He had this little flap. I don't know what it was on his gear. It was dang. It was something. Something fell off and it was sort of flapping. And he did this corkscrew moonsault and it fell off. And something about it was just bothering me. So when it fell off, it was great. Um, I the finish annoyed me a little bit with Ali getting involved. Someone could say it's a storyline on Dark. I've got to be honest. I don't watch Dark. And if it if it is on dark, explain it more on TV. I think that a th- one thing AEW does is assumes that everyone that watches Dynamite watches all the stuff on dark, all the stuff on social media. It's a bit much to expect. So I'm not saying that do everything on TV, but just give a quick summary. Um, I thought it was similar to the... Lana, Bobby Lashley, Drew finish and backlash. Not to the point so much, but I mean, Cutie Marshall tried to, in my view, impress Ali when she came out, went for the moonsault and that's sort of when the tables turned. Um, I don't like the Ali storyline. I don't think it's sort of great, but um, the match was solid as a whole and I just thought it was a good way to start TV. I, uh, the the ending could have come without without the shenanigans. I think it's okay if Paige and Omega run through run through uh, competition. I think it's all right. Mm. Uh, but I mean, I cannot wait for this Paige and Omega singles match when it happens because it is going to be so good. I'm actually I'm I, I, I'm I, actually hoping for Matt Jackson versus Adam Page way before that because I want Matt Jackson to get the smarm sm- slapped out of his mouth. And it, are you not a Matt Jackson fan then? No, I like I no, I like I I'm not I, I like him in kayfabe. I don't like him because I think he's a smarmy little son of a bitch. But that's part of his character, so that's fine. Anna J has a uh, little vignette talking about being signed to AEW and the genesis of her wrestling Zatanna character, and then she has a um, and then she has her match against Abaddon. Oddly enough, both women who had essentially tryouts with Hikaru Shida. Uh, and as much as they built this one up for Anna Jay, 
She eats a Spike Herc and Rana, and Abaddon wins. We later on find out that Abaddon has been signed to AEW. I think that is a good pickup. Um, just before we move to the angle, Louis, I think it's a good pickup because the women's division in AEW, uh, you know, with Britt being out, now Chris Statlander being injured for a while, uh, they need some fresh, uh, some, some fresh talent fast. These are good, two good, um, two good talents. Uh, Anna Jay had a good first showing and Abaddon as well. Both of them made good impressions. I think it's, I think it's good. Um, give me your thoughts on all of this. I hated it. <laughs> I really didn't like it. We're talking um, about the match here. I, so on and so forth. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I thought that the match was, it was over quicker than you can say, what the hell is Abaddon? It wasn't great. I thought that beforehand I was going in thinking, you know what, Anna Jay will probably be a good sort of player in the women's division while, as you say, they've got some big names out. So I was expecting her to win, and I would say I'm more interested in her than I am Abaddon. So I think that they had the wrong person win, although with the later angle it sort of made sense. But, I mean, when you look at AEW and NXT next to each other, and I don't like making comparisons, even though I seem to be doing that a lot lately, the women's matches on AEW, on NXT show, the majority of the matches were women's matches. A lot of the... the I mean, you have the Mercedes vignette, the main event, the, the women were the main event. There was a strong women's core running through the show, and you don't have that with... AW, there was one women's match which I would be surprised went above four seconds. Uh, it, I think that AW has been hampered by injuries, but and also hampered by the fact that WWE has hoovered up the majority of wrestling talent. That's vacuumed but up for I, us in North America. Vacuumed up. Vacuumed up. Apologies, but I, I have not been impressed <laughs> with AW's women's division so far, and today really didn't sort of endear me to it. And I mean, I'll mention it now, but the announcement of the world title match, uh, the women's world title match at Fighter Fest, Karashida wasn't even involved in it. Uh, Penelope Ford wasn't involved in it. It was in a segment where the main players were Tony Schiavone and Britt Baker. I just think that you wouldn't do that for any other feud and any other title match. So why do it for the women's? Uh, I just thought that this could have been handled better. The whole segment and sort of the women on this show as a whole could have been handled better. Well, they... you are all burying the lead. A demon from another dimension crawled out from behind AEW from the locker room. And she, I don't know what that was. That, that, that thing legitimately scared me. I'm going to have nightmares of looking at Abaddon. That is the most commitment to the creepy gimmick that I've seen in a long time. Like, it's like a- I, I, I love what Rosemary does over on Impact. That is like second rate bullshit. Like that's like a Halloween costume for a kindergartner compared to this. Like the the eyes, the the, the hair, everything about that gimmick. The absolute commitment to saying, okay, I'm going to do the creepy thing. No, 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 no. That looked like it crawled out from the depths of hell. That is how you do that, the creepy thing. Also, putting her in the ring with what looks like a children's magician is a perfect <laughs> thing to, like, destroy. Like, they, like hey, I do, I do kids' birthday parties. Can you watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat? 
that person is not at all uh, equipped to deal with the representation of satanic power on earth. That <laughs> I, I am a Abaddon stan. I don't care if she can't wrestle. That is the most interested I've been in a woman besides Britt Baker on AEW since the beginning. Well, I've got to be honest. I've got to be honest, that's not hard to be more interested in uh, the majority of AEW's women's division. But I will say I have just come to terms with Chris Statlander being an alien. (laughs) I don't know if I'm ready for another gimmick like the Supernatural, no matter how committed it was. I don't believe Chris Statlander is an alien. I believe Abaddon is something from another dimension. Oh, there you go. Well, I guess Louis has a lot more in common with JR than we uh, than we than we knew about I'll previously tell you what, to this. Alex, let's switch if you're so keen. I'll do NXT <laughs> next week. You can take AEW if you're so keen on Abaddon. Um, after the match, the Dark Order come out and uh, uh, Evil Uno and uh, Grace and Stu Grayson get into Private Party's face at ringside, so maybe setting some stuff up. Uno gives uh, Colt Cabana a contract or something, some papers in a brown envelope, and the Dark Order help Anna Jay out of the ring. I'm okay with the uh, Dark Order recruiting women. Sure, I think it's I think it's interesting, yeah. and it'll probably be more interesting than. And uh, cutesy spellcaster, magician's assistant, uh, Anna Jay, I'm pretty sure. MJF uh, uh, defeated Billy Gunn, who came out. Apparently, I don't know if you knew this, Louis, but Billy Gunn is the leader of the Gun Club, and the members of the Gun Club are Austin Gunn and Colton Gunn, his son. So he's, so he's, he's the dad, basically forcing his kids into his into his his club he wants to form a club and he's doing it with his kids i don't know if you knew i will say though having his kids at ringside i thought really helped with the match because i i mean i don't know this for fact but i presume they're similar ages to mjf so i just like the comparison of mjf beating up this dad in front of his kids who are of a similar age to him so I like that. But I mean, it does seem a bit... And it's Billy now, obviously, not Billy Gunn. Uh, look, uh, I'm confused on how the trademark name works. I don't understand. But anyway, we did get a match here with MJF having some trouble against Gunn because Gunn is apparently so much bigger than him. Uh, but um, MJF did get uh, started getting sneaky. His heel tactics were able to, were able to get him uh, to get one over. Uh, he does. He did that Indian Deathlock spot on on Gun, where he uses the ropes uh, for uh, for leverage, and Aubrey went and kicked his arms off the ropes. Uh, MJF can't hit a famouser, but Gun can, of course. Wardlow uh, tosses the uh, the uh, the ring to MJF, uh, and uh, that allows MJF to knock out Billy Gun and get the win. After the match, the Jurassic Express attack MJF and Wardlow, and then there's a big big schmoz at ringside. Big angle. What's going on? You got to make sense of this. The for best me. thing about this, the best thing about this for me was MJF and Jungle Boy, their tension uh, sort of continuing. I like how AEW's continued with this Jungle Boy and MJF thing. And I want it to continue for years. Just have them every couple of weeks, just sort of doesn't have to be a physical angle or just even if they just walk past each other and one of them gives the other one the eye or a little shoulder barge. I I like the continuation of it because I think in three, four years, we could legitimately be sitting here, hopefully uh, 
not moved on. Hopefully you haven't got too annoyed with me, so you haven't kicked me out <laughs> yet. But um, we could be sitting here in three or four years reviewing a Jungle Boy MJF uh, AEW World Championship match. And I think that having them sort of feud on and off, but not really in a feud, but still linked, is really, really smart. Uh, I thought that was great. And uh, I'm definitely on board with uh, the whole sort of continuation of their program. So when Jungle Boy eventually does beat uh, MJF, it's going to be it's gonna huge. Be a good one. I agree. We have the Le Six Gods cutting a promo on how bad they beat up Orange Cassidy last week. Then, well, we get to bring Britt Baker. Britt Baker had been sitting next to commentary, and she had a little clothesline set up where she could pass notes to her bestie, Tony Schiavone, such as one note where she asked him, you know, how Audrey, uh, Aubrey Edwards was still employed since she's a conspirator and everything that's happening to her. Um, then um, then uh, Tony actually goes and talks with Britt, says some stuff. She gets mad at him, puts him in a a, a, a friend, a, what's, what did she call it? A BFF timeout? A, a, a friendship, a friendship timeout, timeout, something like that. And then she tells Reba, get me out of here. Let's hit the bricks. But it's not Reba who's driving. It's Swole who's at the... I thought it was the Undertaker. Oh, no. I, and it, it wasn't Matt Hardy either. But it was she, she was gleefully laughing as she took off. Later on in the evening, we see Reba, who has a locator app for... <laughs> to find Britt Baker at all times. And to me, that's really funny because it makes sense where Britt says, you install this on your phone so that you can find me at any given moment, at any time of day. When I need you, you know exactly where I am. <laughs> and uh, she finds her in a dumpster. Britt is like, why is there a camera? Why is there lighting here? Why did you bring this? I thought that was really, that was good. Because uh, Reba's like, ah, I needed to find you kind of thing. You know, instead of saying, well, it's a production. Um, and she says, I'm here to help uh, help you and rescue you. Britt get, takes offense to that. Says, oh, I'm a damsel in distress, am I? Are you a glory hound here for all the glory? And she promises that Swole is going to get sued. She's going to get her fined. Britt Baker, man, tonight, Louis bringing the gold again. I put this tweet out during the show, and I stick by it. I cannot think of someone who has done... Better character work while injured and had more character development as Brit has had in recent weeks. She is by far and away the best thing about AEW's women's division. She is one of the best things about AEW as a whole. Um, I mean, she's given Tony Schiavone character. She's given Aubrey Edwards character. She is just fantastic. Yep. And honestly, compare this to how AEW brought her in really as the smiley dentist who would be fantastic in the media. I think that they realized they got this one wrong. And her as a heel just seems like it works so well. So honestly, I cannot wait to see uh, her back in the ring and hopefully a big swell Britt Baker matcher all out, I'm hoping. That'd be nice. That would be nice. She did say she'd be back at All Out. Alex, I don't know if you got a chance to see the the segment or the, the dumpster segment. Uh, yeah. Do you have a, a couple of quick thoughts on this? So Britt Baker is just, she's the best. She's the best. Um, and she's so, so great at this. I love the clothesline thing. Uh, big swole driving away. Where to, doctor? That was all good. Uh, the stuff with the dumpster was fantastic. My favorite part was, Rebel, uh, Reba, you're fired. You mean I'm free? 
that was that that was fantastic. Uh, all, all of it was great. Um, everything they're doing with her is fantastic. Um, the, the the fact that they're keeping her so uh, so at the forefront of AEW while sure. injured means that she does they won't have to like build her back up when she's when she's healthy again. And and the best part will be when she's cleared and we don't know that she's cleared and she stands up from that wheelchair and kicks somebody's ass. That's going to be really great. Next, we had the Cody Open Challenge. He cuts a promo uh, at first, uh, wondering if he's still in the elite or if the Nightmare family is even a family. A- Aaron Anderson cuts a promo. And this Open Challenge was open to anyone, even outside of AEW. And that opponent tonight is none other than Ricky Starks. Very recent NWA champion and a former trainer for The Undertaker to help him get back into shape for WrestleMania 34. Um, uh, Ricky Starks, uh, uh, Louis, I think it's a, it's been announced. He has been signed. Uh, AEW put it out, so he okay. is a member of AEW. Um, I think he's a good pickup. I think it's a loss for the NWA because uh, he he um, he stood out in that crowd just by the way he uh, he wrestles. His style is very different from a lot of the other guys there. Uh, I think he's going to fit in really well in AEW, Louis. I agree, and I thought this was actually a fantastic way to debut someone. I think that a lot we've spoken about the open challenge and obviously when the released guys, their non-competes are over who we're going to see. But I was far more into this debut than I would be any other, because I'm not going to pretend to know an enormous amount about Ricky Starr. I've seen it. I've seen a lot of his matches, a lot of his stuff, but um, I'm not going to pretend to be a Ricky Starks sort of major fan. Um, th- through no fault of his own, just the fact I don't watch a lot of his stuff. So I think this was a fantastic way to establish him for a lot of the audience who won't be 100% familiar with his work in compared to the released WWE superstars who they probably will be. So I thought this mm-hmm. was a brilliant way to introduce someone. Uh, I thought that the video package beforehand where he spoke about sort of sleeping rough for a while and having nothing to his name was fantastic. I just thought that the character work, the, the, the subtle sort of character work beforehand was great. The match was was very solid. I thought it was, um, it was, I, I just thought it was a very, very good segment, a very good match. And interestingly, the most interesting thing for me was, were there slow teases of a Arn Anderson and Cody Hilton? Mm-hmm. That's what I got from it, and I'm all for There's that a, because yeah. I love Cody, but Cody is a heel. I, 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 that's that's where the money is, in my opinion. There's a lot. There's there's a lot of conspiracies out there. I mean, if they want to do us some long term booking, there's a lot. There's a, there's a lot of seeds that have been that have been planted over the past couple of weeks in regards to a Cody heel turn. Uh, yeah, but I agree. This was a strong match. Um, Starks hit a nice superplex, a spear, but it's a crossroads that puts him away. And it was a fantastic way to awesome debut him. Awesome crossroads as well. Pardon me? Awesome crossroads. Yeah, yeah. I think he landed straight on his head. I thought it, it was it looked great. Um, I think that, I, as I said, it's the perfect way to debut someone who people might not be all that familiar with. Obviously, the hardcore fans will, but the slightly more casual fans won't be. Um, I, thought this, I thought this was a fantastic match and segment. And I mean, Cody... Has his his TNT title matches have been fantastic so far? 
So I think if we're going to see more of this sort of in line with the John Cena Open challenges, we could definitely be be sort of looking forward to Dynamite every week and seeing what Cody's got in store for us. DGMC left us a super chat talking about Billy Gunn here, and he says, why isn't his new name Billy Asman? I think he forgot an S, so I'm going to mispronounce it. Asman. Thank you for the super chat. Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc took on the Young Bucks. Um, the the Young Bucks early on hit uh, double pescados and uh, swinging neck breaker over the knee on uh, Jimmy Havoc. Uh, I mean, this is just controlled, not even controlled chaos. It is just chaos. It's Rick Knox refereeing after all. He doesn't care. He just lets everything happen. Uh, the Butcher and the Blade are in their off uh, their uh, their off time whites. And they start messing around in the uh, around the ring, but uh, the revival pop up to try and keep them at bay. Uh, I mean, this was this was a good match. It was it was strong. I find that Sabian and, and Havoc are meshing more and more as a tag team. This is uh, uh, this this was basically a, a set of um, of double team spots the whole way through. Young Bucks are fantastic at what they do. Uh, there's a super kick party that finishes with a Kamagoye, and that's the match right there. After the match, Butcher and the Blade officially attack, and the Revival run in. I don't know if you noticed this, Louie, but the Revival were attacking guys who were not attacking the Young Bucks. They were attacking. Uh, they were attacking. I don't remember which one of the me- which one of was it either Butcher or Blade. I don't quite remember. But then at some point, I think it was Cash who went to beat up on uh, Jimmy Havoc, who was passed out on the ground while the Young Bucks were were getting served. Um, yeah, that we're keep we're edging ever so closer to this uh, FTR Young Bucks match. Give me your thoughts on all of this. It was too much for me. There was too much going on. I mean, what are the butcher? Why are they involved in this? If if this storyline is this is the best tag teams in the world, the two best tag teams in the world. I mean, let's be honest, Bucks are cosplaying as the best tag teams in the world. It is FTR. <laughs> if this storyline is them, are we trying to say that Butcher and the Blade are near that bracket? Because they're not. If it's Lucha Brothers sort of getting involved as well, I'd be like, you know what, fair enough. Perhaps we get a three-way before we get a one-on-one, but I don't care about seeing a three-way with the Butcher and the Blade. Nothing against them. Just it wouldn't interest me that much. There was too much going on for me here. Um, I have an awful feeling we are going to get a eight-man tag where we get FTR and the Bucks versus Superbad Squad and Butcher and Blade. And I really don't want to see that. It's sort of a WWE lazy thing of these are two rivals. Let's put them together. It doesn't work for me. Um, and I hope it isn't something that they do, but um, I could see it happening. There's, uh, it's been a couple of weeks now that they've been doing OFTR and Young Bucks aren't touching each other. Respect, and I think it's time for the storyline to move along. Wouldn't you agree, Alex Palowski? I mean, we've seen this now for a couple of weeks. We need something new. Yeah, no, we need something. We maybe we need something new. I, I, I just I want to share how depressed I am because. <laughs> Like Sorry, I, I, lost, I, but... I, I, I felt such a, such a kinship with with the butcher, when he first debuted in the long black sleeveless leather trench coat and the monocle. He, he was he was Mad Max Teddy Roosevelt, 
now he looks like the most insufferable owner of a microbrewery in like downtown <laughs> Portland. That he and he, the butcher and the blade, are wearing what appear to be unrolled condoms on their head. It's <laughs> look at how they massacred my boy. And that's what I felt watching him out there with the long tufty hair and the the the, the glass. He's a monocle, sir. I was promised a monocle. You're wearing these big glasses. It doesn't work. Hipster butcher and the blade. I say no. One step too far, and I'm done with this whole thing. Your priorities are all wrong if your main concern is how the butcher and the blade are coming off in this storyline, not FDR uh, and hey, the Louis, young Hey, Louis, you, listen, you're new here. Louis. You don't know Alex. I'm new here. <laughs> <laughs> I find the most trivial shit, and I talk about it for 80 minutes twice a week. It's my jam. We get uh, promos from uh, Brian Cage and Taz and from Mox getting ready for their Fighter Fest match. And we also get a bunch of matches announced for next week. We get um, Sammy Guevara versus Jeff Hardy, uh, Brody Lee and Colt Cabana versus Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela, and Wardlow versus Luchasaurus in a Lumberjack match. Evan Wright leaves us a super chat, says Luchasaurus versus Wardlow in a Lumberjack match. Let's go. I'm glad someone's happy because I hate Lumberjack matches, but that's a very personal opinion. (laughs) Main event had the Sex Gods versus the Best Friends. Um, and uh, the best friends go right to the floor immediately. There's a spear on Sammy by Trent to the floor. Trent's spears are always so, so good. Uh, back in the ring, uh, Jericho gets a drop kick in, and the heels stay in control of Chucky e. T for a while. Trent drops Sammy on his head and then eats a baseball bat. Chucky e. T hits a Michinuku driver. A super duper suplex by the best friends as well follows, and he's shooting star press by Sammy. But Trent gets the win for his team. And after the match, a cameraman gets into the ring, reveals himself as being Orange Cassidy, and he charges Jericho, takes him down, punches him, and we're told we're getting Jericho versus Cassidy at Fighter Fest confirmed. Louie. So I thought the match I thought the match was good and it, it did what it had to do. Um I wanna add this layer here into into whatever you're gonna say. Um it, I understand that the best friends have to come out winning here. They're the they're the number one contenders. They're next. They they've won a shot at the titles. They have to look strong. But it has been in forever since the inner circle has looked strong and dominant and not not just a a comedy act. Um, those are my thoughts here. I mean, I understand what they're doing, but geez, they they had their back against the wall here a little bit, and I I kind of want a strong inner circle back. So AEW, I think, is taking for granted the fact that the the Inner Circle are so entertaining that they can afford to lose. But there's only so long that's going to take them and only so far that's going to take them. They're going to have to start picking up wins, especially Sammy Guevara. Um, I, I was annoyed when this match was announced. I personally thought, well best friends are idiots basically i understand they attack their friend but why put your number one contendership on the line why the risk against a former AEW world champion nonetheless the and a team that aren't even ranked so i understand retribution and all this but if it's a sports-based league where the ranking systems are the be all and end all why do they deserve a match they don't 
And surely Jericho's not the general manager or whatever they're calling the authority figure. Why can't Tony Khan just say the match is booked and it's not for um, and it's not for the number one contendership? Why does Jericho have the stipulation that he'll only wrestle them if it is for the number one contendership? I think that them and I was worried. I thought the uh, sets gods were gonna get the get the win here, but I think best friends was the right call, a hundred percent the right call. Um, I do worry for Chuck Taylor because Trent is going to have a massive singles run in the future. And I don't know if Trent's got the same, le- uh, sorry, if Chucky e. T's got the same legs that Trent does in, in that, in a singles run. But I thought them definitely getting a match against uh, Page and Omega at Fighter Fest is the right call. And I mean, Cassidy and Jericho will be immensely entertaining. I agree. I agree. No mention of Mike Tyson again this week. Let's fine. Let's not jinx it. Thank God. goodness. That was AEW. Evan Wright left us a super chat. Says, I hope when Sammy Guevara eventually splits from Jericho that him and Ricky Starks do something together as a team. I think that would be money. Well, there's definitely something there. Two similar builds. Charismatic dudes. I think there is something. I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to babyface Sammy Guevara versus heel MJF. Oh, that'll be good stuff. That'll be good stuff. Shamik Scheider left us a super chat as well. Says, I love the work Cody is doing. I would like to see him hold the belt and drop it to pack at all out. Ooh, I can uh, I can get behind that kind of uh, booking, Alex, having Cody losing to our favorite vampire. Any any booking that has pack on my TV screen, wrestling and winning, preferably for titles, I am all about. So we're going to wrap this one up for tonight with one last super chat from DGMC who says, Warren, say Goldberg is the greatest wrestler ever. I read your super chat. I hope you're happy. <laughs> Folks, thank you all so much for joining us this evening. Went a little over tonight, but it, you know, it's it's the new guy's fault. Let's just put it that way. I, I'm entirely, it's always the new guy's I'm, fault. I'm completely comfortable with blaming Louie. Louie, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you on social media and stuff? What do you do? So I uh, what, mainly for Russell Talk, they have my heart the majority of the time, apart from a Wednesday. Um, so you can find me at Louis Dangle, the Louis Dangle on Twitter. Uh, that's L O U I S D N G O R. Uh, I do I break a couple of uh, news pieces every now and then, not 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 as much as Sean, but I'm I'm getting there. I'm, I'm coming for his crown. <laughs> Um, I do interviews. I've got one going up this week with Nick Aldis. So basically, if you follow me on Twitter, I post everything that I do, any exclusives, any interviews, they all go on there. Um, And yeah, I just wanted to thank, obviously, Alex and yourself for allowing me to share this time with you. It's been immensely enjoyable. And I've realized I'm not the most salty wrestling fan that there is, like I thought I was. (laughs) There you go. You discover all sorts of things. Uh, no, but thank you very much for joining us tonight. We'll see you next week anyway. And Alex, are we going to be seeing you next week? Oh, yeah, I'll be back here next week. Also, I'm going to talk about uh, SmackDown. Cool. Uh, what do you do outside this of weekend? this? Yeah, yeah. do I do, uh, do sour grabs twice a week. I did, I did 80 minutes last night talking about Raw and the Raw half of Backlash, including uh, rants about... Um, <laughs> About whatever the hell the Viking prophets is. It's and, a cinematic um, universe. Did you hear? It's a cinematic yeah, universe. Yeah, it's a cinematic cinematic. Uh, and also, I, I talk a little bit about the uh, the COVID stuff. Um, 
in WWE uh, from like from on the Fightful Select. So, so check that out. And you can uh, find me on my own YouTube channel at YouTube.com/slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Live show records tomorrow night, 9 p.m. If you want to check that out, otherwise follow me on Twitter at Mr. Warren Hayes. Follow Fightful everywhere. Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com, Twitter.com/slash Fightful, and Fightful Select. Go and go subscribe. There's some great stuff and some either even better stuff coming up. Thank you all for watching tonight, folks. We'll see you next time. And we're out. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.